Good morning. So good to be here. What a joy to worship Jesus together. Amen. So um, I'm actually Ronald's husband. And so <laughs> that's my claim to fame. Uh, do you want to encourage them with a word, Ronald? Come. This is Ronald. I'm with her. Good morning, everyone. No, he's, he's teasing because I'm always known as Donnie's wife. <laughs> but my name is not important. Jesus' name is important. And I just want to encourage you guys um, this morning to say that, you know, this church was birthed in the heart of Jesus when this couple put up their hands in obedience to the call of God. And we are so grateful when we look at the kingdom that Jesus is advancing globally um, it's so exciting that we can have a church in every village, every city, every town, every city, and uh, every nation of the world. So well done for um, holding up the name of Jesus, being the light to this community. It's amazing. I matriculated in Kingsway in 1993, and I was at school with Angie and Michelle and, um, and Kim. Kim was actually in my one of my classes. She was in the clever class. I was in the not so clever class. Um, but yeah, I got radically born again at the age of 18. Um, I was actually um, writing my matric at the time and God stepped into my life so powerfully. Like in, I shouldn't say this in church, but in the bath, I just felt such conviction. And to be in this hall, I mean, I went to Kingsville High School, but I remember the, the prayer we used to sing in assembly every Sunday. Hey, Kim? I mean, every day at school. And that prayer, I mean, I never knew the gospel growing up, but that prayer was what I prayed when Jesus convicted me of my sin. And as I prayed that prayer, because that's the only prayer I knew, I didn't even know anything from the Bible, really. And um, when the Holy Spirit came upon me, um, I started to feel these waves of love. And I tell you, my life flipped around. My friends couldn't believe the change in me. It's like I went from a girl that really swore a lot from insecurities to a girl that God totally poured love into my heart. It was the most beautiful thing. So thank you for what you're doing here because it, I joined a church then. And um, it's, you know, for us to disciple the nations, we need a church in every single village all over the world because it's known as the global village. So well done for what you're doing for Jesus here. Well see. Great. So just wanted to also send regards from Tyron. Um, Daniel, who leads NCMI, he knows we're here. He's praying for you and send much love. And it's just so good to worship Jesus together. So, yeah, privilege for us. Uh, I've really, when you preach during this last season, many of us will remember that actually this year started in a bit of a lockdown. I don't know. It feels like years ago. It was just a couple of months ago we were not allowed to, um, we were allowed to take our masks off. But it's been a crazy, crazy time for the church, for God's people, for the world. And so when we preach, I know there is a lot of stuff being said right now. But I want you to know that when we preach, we agonize over what it is um, that God wants to say. Because we, we don't want to hear me. We don't want to hear my opinions. We want to hear from God. And that is powerful. And so um, I've really, this morning, haven't come with something brand new. I've come with what I feel God is saying to the church at a time like this. 
And so I do believe that the world is looking to the church to lead them right now. Like never before, the world is looking to the church to lead them. And so I've been asking God, Lord, as part of your church, because we know the church is not the building, the church is made up of living stones, you and me. Lord, how can I make sure that I'm leading the people around me in a way uh, that you want me to in this season? Uh, And I felt God give me these scriptures from James chapter 1, verse 19. Am I sounding good? No funny accents from Mshlangar or anything? All good. Do you know last time I preached in Toti, there was horses going past the window. And today I saw a bird. I don't know what it is with the oaks. But the wildlife is amazing. Not you guys. I'm saying the... Take it how you want to. James chapter 1 verse 9, it says, Post this at all the intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears. Follow up with your tongue. And let your anger straggle along in the rear. God's righteousness does not grow from human anger. Isn't that amazing? If you start with human anger, you can never end up with God's righteousness. That there's no road there. Isn't that amazing? And so what I like about this, even though James is talking about interpersonal relationships, it's like the church right now, we need to not lead just with our anger and frustration. We shouldn't be leading just with rattling our mouth off, but we actually should be leading by listening. Very important. Uh, James chapter 1 verse 19 in the NLT says, Understand this, my brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen. Can you say listen? Slow to speak. Can you say speak? And slow to get angry. Human anger doesn't produce the righteousness God desires. And so any young married couple will understand that there are those three components of communication. Speaking, listening, and understanding. When you speak wrong, we misunderstand. You can even speak correctly, but if I hear wrong, we misunderstand. And without really trying to hear what it is that you're saying, even if you speak correctly and I listen correctly, we can still miss each other. And so my word this morning to you is lead with your ears. It really depends on what you're listening to right now, what, what's going on with your emotions. Because what you listen to has an impact here. And this has an impact here. And that has an impact on the world. Making sense? Um, I saw this headline recently. The, the chief of the UN, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but I just know he's a chief. He, he had this headline. I think we've got it up there. Can you, can you show it? No? There we go. He said, the world, this is his summary, the world is one miscalculation away from nuclear annihilation. Don't worry, they've got it covered. We're all good. (laughs) United Nations have got this. But it seems like in, in, in churches and families in the world, one little small thing can just set off a chain reaction and nuclear annihilation. Isn't it amazing? It's like when you're leading right now with your emotions and your anger and your frustration, you're one miscalculation away from nuclear annihilation. It's like the state of the world right now. And so God is calling us in this time to be the people who lead. 
the church should be leading. And so uh, in Revelation chapter 2, in fact, eight times in the book of Revelation, let him who hasn't listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. It seems in the end times, listening is going to be more important than just speaking. Hello? Good, you're such great listeners. And then 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 11 says this, If anyone speaks, he should do so as if they're speaking the very words of God. The church should not be an echo of the culture around us. But we should speak from our listening as if we are speaking the very words of God when we open our mouths. And I love uh, that message version because it says, post this at all the intersections. This goes for online as well, right? You know, online, you can say one wrong thing and you just get canceled, right? Because that's the world we live in. And so um, I feel like for us as the church to lead in a season like this, we have to hear from God what it is that he is doing. What is it that the devil is doing? What is the world doing? So we know what we should be doing. Simple as that. And we lead with our ears. And so I want to just try and answer those four questions. Number one, what do I believe right now in this time and this season God is doing? Number one, he's building his church. He's still building his church. He's still building his church. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Do you know that the only thing that Jesus is constructing, the only thing that Jesus is building is the church on the planet? He's not building my ministry. He's not building a building. He's not building an organization. The only thing that we know Jesus is building on earth is his church. And I want to remind you that he's building his church in the context of the onslaught of the powers of hell. He's not building his church in a vacuum. And so I understand why people have a problem with their church life. And you might say, like, why is it that Jesus is so focused on the church and the powers of hell is so focused on the church? What is it about the church that makes it so significant? Well, you've got to read the next verse. In, in chapter 16, verse 19, Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. You know what's significant about the church? This is the keys of my car. It's not a fancy car, but it's a reliable car. If I have the keys, you get in with me, you're probably going to go where I want you to go. But if I say to my wife, I give you the keys of the car, she doesn't have to say, uh, do you mind if I just go here? She has full access to whatever that car can do, wherever that car can go. Whenever she needs that car, she has the keys and she can get in it and go. And the only entity on planet earth that can release a kingdom that brings liberty and freedom, that opens eyes for the blind, that brings restoration, the only entity that has the authority and the keys is the church that Jesus is building. So I'm not surprised that the powers of hell is focused on it. And I'm not surprised that Jesus is determined to build his church. Until he comes again. We know Jesus has already inaugurated that kingdom. We know in Daniel chapter 7. There will be a, a, a um, culmination of that kingdom. But in between the church has got the keys of the kingdom. 
And so what is Jesus doing? He's building his church. And um, that means if I'm listening to, to what God is doing, I should be working with Jesus building the church. No other activity can be more important and more significant than to do what Jesus is doing right now. Make sense? And so, you know that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Love builds up. Encourage each other. Build each other up. That's what the scripture teaches. The second thing God is doing, he's shaking all the nations. If you read Haggai chapter 2 verse 7, and this has been something God has just been sharing with me, and you can follow it through into the New Testament. God is shaking the nations. Now recently, um, our son was in a, in a car accident, and the word used for shaken here is the, is the um, Greek word rash, which is like rash with extra ash, I always say. But it, it's the word shaken. It's the word like, like when my son came out of that car accident, he was shaken. That makes sense. The word shaken means to topple, to disturb, to make afraid, to shake. And Jesus is shaking the nations, strong nations, weak nations, small nations, great nations. He's shaking all the nations. Jesus is doing it. And there is a New Testament scripture for Haggai um, chapter 2 in Hebrews 12. And it goes like this in, in verse 26. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. And this is not a promise I hear many Christians claim, but it's yours. No one wants to claim it. Once again, I will shake not only the heavens, but the earth also. And this means the creation will be shaken and removed so that only the unshakable things will remain. And since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and Please, God, by worshiping him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a devouring fire. I want you to notice the source of the shaking. It's God's voice. It's not the devil. I want you to notice the extent of the shaking, that there is nothing that is visible and temporary that will not be shaken. I want you also to understand here that the purpose of the shaking is for the temporary to fade and for the eternal to come to the fore. It's not because God is angry with the nations. Hello, it's not God's judgment and God is shaking the nations because he wants us to take our eyes off temporary things and put our, our eyes on the eternal things which are unshakable. Eternity, the eternal life in Jesus is unshakable. God's word is unshakable. His kingdom, unshakable. And so God is not shaking because God is angry. And in fact, you see, our response to the shaking should not be like the world. Panic, fear, worry, anxiety. But actually, our, our, our response to the shaking should be reverent worship to God. How amazing is God that he can just flex his one muscle and shake a powerful nation and bring it to its knees. Second Corinthians 4.18 says that what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. God is separating the eternal from the temporary. And so many of, of the nations are focused on things that are temporary. God's going to shake it. The third thing God is doing is he's filling his house with glory. We're leading with our ears. Lord, what are you doing? You're building the church. That makes a difference to what I should be doing. 
You're shaking the nations. That makes a difference to how I should respond to the shaking. Thirdly, Lord, you're filling your house with glory. And Haggai chapter 2 verse 9. Haggai prophesies. He says the glory of this, the future glory of the temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of, of heaven's armies. Now, Haggai was prophesying to the temple they were rebuilding. I don't think that temple was more glorious than the one that Solomon built. Which means he's prophesying forward to the glory of the new covenant and the new church Jesus would build as he becomes the cornerstone and we're the living stones and the glory of God will fill that house and it will be greater than the previous glory of Solomon because it will not fade away. Does that make sense? And there's a New Testament scripture as well in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8. You can read it. The thing I want to point out is that what we think the glory of God is is not always what, what he describes it as. We might think the glory of God is goosebumps and feelings and, and what, but actually when you ask God about his glory, he reveals it to Moses. Can you remember that in Exodus? When Moses said, Lord, show me your glory, and God takes him, hides him in a rock, put his hand over him, and the glory of God passes by, and he has the glory in Exodus 34, 6. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger. See, man's anger can never achieve God's righteousness, but when God fills his house with glory, it will be absolutely distinguishable from the world. Because you cannot reproduce God's character without God filling you with his, with his glory. And you cannot separate the glory from God from God. If you want the glory, you have to have God. Where God is, that's where the glory is. If you want God, this is God. Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. I tell you, in a world that is getting more angry, it's fun to preach here, bro, I must be honest. In a world that's getting more angry and more frustrated and more of human anger is boiling to the surface and where one miscalculation can set off a nuclear annihilation, Jesus is building his church. He's shaking the nations. He's filling his people with his authentic glory that will be so distinguishable from the world because he is compassionate, kind, slow to anger. You cannot produce that in our world today in your own strength. Jesus wants to fill us again. What do I feel the devil's busy doing? So we're talking about leading with our ears. And I'm saying, are you aware of what God is doing? He's building his church. He's shaking the nations. He's filling his house with glory. That should determine how we lead our lives. What's the devil doing? I believe, and I'm sure you can tell me a whole lot of things he's doing. But Revelation 12 verse 12, it says, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens rejoice. But terror will come on earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. It's amazing when Jesus came, it's because God so loved the world. When the devil came, he came raging, full of anger, bringing terror and, and anger with him and reproducing it in the world. Just heightening the emotions of the world, hoping that men and women would lead from their, their anger rather than with their ears. 
And actually, it's a sign that you remember when Jesus sent his disciples out and, and they came back saying that the demons submit to us in your name. And, and Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. This is a sign of his defeat as he takes the world and heightens the anger and heightens the frustration. And God is saying, I'm still calling my church to lead. But I will build my church and I will follow with my glory and I'm going to shake the nations. What a privilege. So get up every day and I say, Lord, fill me with your glory again. How can I build the church, Lord? What are you shaking in people's lives that the temporary is fading that I can introduce them to the eternal? That's what we're doing. I believe this is like, you know, you see the tactics of the enemy and the spirit of the Antichrist here. Uh, that's what I believe because it's anti-God. If God is slow to anger, I tell you what, to be quick to be angry is opposite to God. And so I believe despite the United States' war on terror, that the enemy is using incredible terror on earth. Fear, anxiety, frustrations. I believe that he's draining emotions. You know, people's patience are just... Have you, have you driven on the roads lately? I mean, people are super patient. It's just like, like, I bless you. You never had that? Maybe it's just a toady thing. I don't know. You know, he's causing a lot of trauma because the pain and the hurt of people are causing the levels of frustrations to go up. He's using fear and terror to bring stress levels up. He's bringing a lot of change in a short period of time to cause disorientation and instability. Not just in, in your life, in the world, friends. This is what he's doing. And it's not shaking. That's not God. That's the devil causing chaos. While God is shaking to bring people back to eternal things, the devil is just causing the chaos. And I'm telling you, if I as a believer today, I'm leading with my mouth and I'm leading with my feelings... I'm not going to be helping what Jesus is doing. He's, he's putting pressure under people. I don't know how many of you, but work has been so easy lately. I mean, it's like you just got more hours with more staff to do less things, right? I get to know my sarcasm as we go along. It's just like... The workplace is more demanding, more pressure. And you know what's happening? People are becoming more isolated, more frustrated, more angry. And I'm saying to you guys, girls, God has still called the church to lead in this season. But we must lead with our ears, not just with our mouths and not just with our emotions. Because if we do, we might be cooperating with this person. Now, I don't even know why he's in the preach. I really don't like to talk about him. This is a rubbish. Honestly. But we're not unaware of his tactics. And we're not unaware of what he's doing. He's getting the world more and more angry. And then you know what I've noticed? The second tactic is to misdirect anger. Think about our municipalities. Think about the nations of the world right now. Think about wars and things that are happening. Most of the anger and frustration is misdirected to a person that wasn't even responsible for that, but it's just, I've got to vent it, and I've got to get it out, and I'm directing it to someone. 
Have you ever bumped into those people? Like you take their uh, cucumber in the supermarket and it was their cucumber, I don't know. And you're just like, yo, and then it's like the whole week's frustration like there by the cucumber aisle. You're like, you can have it. I don't, I don't, I can take any cucumber. You know, don't have this. We have it in spa. It's like all this anger and frustration somehow just misdirected to someone who's not even responsible for it. And then I've noticed it's hard to not get swept up in this because then people feel like I can just unleash this. And, you know, can I just say this? This applies online as well. Just vent. People just feel like they, this is the time to vent every... And I'm saying, we are the church. We should be leading with our ears. And then I've, I found that he's taking that anger, misdirecting it, and dividing churches, countries, people, nations, families. Because he knows no matter how great your nation is, a nation divided against itself cannot stand. That's what the devil's doing. Be aware of it. Make sure you hear this, what I'm saying. What are people doing? Well, for me, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. Do you know, for God so loved that he gave. But 2 Timothy 3, 2 says, For people will love only themselves and their money. You know, when, you, when you're terrified, when you're afraid, when you're angry, when you're frustrated, what you generally do is focus just on yourself and on your money. Now, that we do here in Durban. And it's amazing. When you're focusing only on yourself and your money, only yourself and your money, think about the energy you spend your mental, physical, emotional, if it's only spent on you and your money, we're not going to lead very well. Because what's going to happen is they'll be boastful, proud, scoffing God, disobedience to their parents, ungrateful. They'll consider nothing sacred. They'll become unloving and unforgiving. Isn't that amazing? We just become opposite to the glory of God. I'm asking you, nothing wrong with loving yourself. But if you only love yourself and you only love your money, you know you don't have to have a lot of money to love money. God's calling the church to lead. We need to lead with our ears and be aware of this. So, what should I be doing? This is what I feel God's been challenging me on. He's saying, in this time, don't just go preach your things. Don't just do what you think is. Don't just act on this, but listen. And then he's saying, I'm building the church. I'm filling the church with my glory. And I'm shaking the things that are temporary. So, number one, we should be building God's pattern. If he's building the church, we should take the pattern and build it. You know, once um, someone gave us a prophetic word, they said, you're trying to build and there's some of these stones that you put them in place and you build on top of them, but they're, they're not stones you can use and you build on them and then after a while, everything comes falling down and then you go find those stones again and you put them and, you build, and God's going to take those stones and put them out of your reach, someone said. 
So, I mean, I had some people in mind, but then I thought, like, to myself, I thought, like, I hope that I'm a stone that he can build wherever he wants to, and everything he puts on top of me, like, I hope I'm not that stone. And if that's the case, then I need to build my life according to the pattern. I need to come to God and say, Lord, if I'm a a living stone, let me be a stone you can put where you want to put, how you want to put me, and let me be solid on Jesus Christ, the foundation, and, and let my life and the way that I live my life not be swept up by the frustration and the anger and what everyone else is saying, but what you are saying. And so I want to say, take care of yourself. Your emotions, your body, your spirits. Live a balanced life. I always say this. You can't... If you need to do something spiritual, and can I just say this? Watching YouTube, listening to someone else preach is not a a spiritual exercise for you. You need to make sure, if you want to grow spiritually, that you're in contact with God. Constantly. Because it is a demanding world. And if you're not going to do that... The glory of God's not going to come and fill your own life. Build according to the pattern. Be responsible for yourself. Response able. That's what sets us apart as human beings. We can't control the situation, but you can de- control how you respond. Lead yourself well. Um, can I say this? We need to learn to speak properly. Please, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a sharp tongue kindles a temper fire. Do you know that proverb? And sometimes just by the words we say, and and if we're going to lead the world, the world's going to look at you in the office, at school, wherever you are. And they're going to say, like, how should we, what should we be doing right now? And we should be saying, well, if Jesus is building the church, filling his house with glory, shaking the nations, then I should learn how to speak. Colossians chapter 4 verse 6 says, let your conversation always, always, always be full of grace. Everything we say, all the time, always full of grace. Otherwise, we're not speaking the way he wants us to in this season. We need to learn to deal with conflict. Ephesians 4.26 And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. How's that? Build the pattern. Lead yourself well. Connect yourself. The devil wants you to be isolated. Make sure you're connecting. If you're at City Life, yeah, connect in to the church. Connect to relationships and people because the enemy wants us to be isolated. Live healed. A young couple wanted to get married recently and uh, I said this to them. Just be too good forgivers. It will help you. We have to learn to be good forgivers. Because somewhere, somehow, uh, we're going to have the opportunity to hold on to offense. And in this time, we can't afford that. It's to a man's wisdom or glory to overlook an offense. Is that cool? You should be building the pattern. Secondly, you should allow God to shake some things out of you. You know, some things, when it's shaking, if you hold on to it, you get damaged. If you hold too tight on it, 
going to rattle some things out of you. And I love the way the Bible says this, Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness. I mean, it's not even like a how-to or a three-point. It's just like plain and simple. Get rid of it. It's temporary. It's from this world. It's never going to be in eternity. Just get rid of all bitterness. You hold on to it in this day and age when the devil is making the world more angry. I'm telling you, you're going to harm yourself. Dishonor. Um, Do you know that my prayers are hindered by the way I treat my wife? If I treat her with dishonor, God, no matter how much of a prayer warrior I am, he won't hear my prayers. Do you think if we treat his wife with dishonor, he'll listen to our prayers? Honor is something we fight for. Bitterness is something we get rid of. We allow it to be shaken out of us. Offended brother is harder to win back than a fortified city. Got to allow those things to be shaken out of us. And I'm landing with this. The third thing I feel like God's saying we have to do. Build according to his pattern. Work with him. Don't hold on to the things he's shaking out. But we've got to learn how to receive from God again. We were in one of the local churches recently and the pastor said to me, you know what, we've, one of the things in COVID that we didn't do much was lay hands and minister and, and just allow God to minister to us and there were reasons for that. But I found during this season it's been so hard for me just to get myself in a place where I can allow God to fill me with His glory again. I've had to learn how to be quiet in God's presence again. There's been so many voices that even when I go into a meeting or I'm listening, there's just voices in my head. And I've had to learn again how to just be still. It's busy, stressful. It's, we have to learn to be still. No, he's God. We're not the church running to and fro all the time, but we, we, we can be still before the Lord and allow Him to fill us with His glory again. It means sometimes you have to switch off the other voices in, in your head. I found that's like Isaiah 40 verse 31. Waiting has become so hard. Just waiting. He's filling his house with glory. We have to learn how to wait. We have to learn how to be quiet. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I found that I've had to learn how to yield to God again. You know, in these times, it's like you always need a plan. You always need to have an answer. It's a lot of pressure. Those that have led churches, it's been a lot of pressure. You've got to have the answers. You've got to, those who are leading their own businesses, and oh, I understand your stresses. But in this time, learn to be still, learn to wait, and learn to yield. Remember what Tyrant said in Revelation Jesus opens a door no one can shut, shuts a door no one can open. 
And yet when it comes to the door of your heart, he stands at the door and he knocks. Only you can let him in. That's yielding. That's surrendering. I've learned that I had to learn how to open my heart to the Lord again. Say, Jesus, come. Whatever you want. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to say. I don't have the program. I don't have the agenda. Come and fill me again. I believe if we're going to be the church that's going to lead through this season, we need to lead with our ears. Not just with our emotions. Not just with our talking. And we need to realize and understand that what Jesus is doing is building his church because he's given her the keys of the kingdom. And what we need to do is just keep building our lives according to the pattern. We need to make sure that the things that, you know, God's shaking out of the nations, that we're not holding on to those same things. And we need to allow God again to come and fill us with his glory. So God bless you, man. Thank you for what you're doing. Like Ronald said, we, we've come down this morning just to tell you. We're standing with you. We love you. It's our friends sitting here in the front row. It's our partners. You're our partners in the kingdom of God. And uh, Jesus is absolutely passionate about his church. He loves you. He's got a plan for you. He's building his church. And he wants to fill his house with glory. We are trusting Him that the best is still ahead. We're trusting Him with our lives that He'll fill us with His glory. It's not our striving. It's not our hard work. But we are trusting that the church will resound to the world around us. That Jesus is alive. He's building His church. Amen.